Paul and I would like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people. We would like to pay our respect to the elders both past and present of the Kulin Nation and to other Indigenous Australians who may listen. Hi, I'm Beck, And I'm Paul. And this is DV Declutter. Hello, Beck. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm pretty good. Another fortnight, another Hanks. Yes, that's right. And we're on our second Hanks. Second of five, right? Yes. Yes, second of five. The weird thing is yep. it's got me craving extra Hanks. Like um, other Hanks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. had a real because I feel like our we're limited in the Hanks that we're allowed to consume. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So all of your, your previous Hanks start popping up. Yep. I was watching trailers for other Hanks films the other <laughs> like after watching this one. I've had a real craving for Toy Story. I think I might watch that this week oh, as well. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was Woody. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, yeah. That film had no female characters. Hey, it had Bo Peep. <laughs> there needs to be a love no interest. No one realised how terrible it was until Jesse was introduced. <laughs> then. Yeah. Oh, let's, we can quickly talk about that. Rank the Toy Stories. I still like number one, I think, the most. Or number one or number two. And after that, it gets quite blurry for me. Because there's four now. Yeah, I haven't seen number four, I'll be, I'll yeah, be honest. Yeah, I haven't seen number four either. But my, my kids told me that the main character was called, like, Forky or something. Yeah. And it was, like, a, a toy that the kid had made out of a, a plastic a fork. fork and some other things. Yeah. And then I just thought, what has the world come to? I, I know, well, look, apparently, though, it is... I saw some good analysis pieces on it sort of being like a, a movie about midlife crises to an extent. Oh. Which makes sense for, a, I guess, a generation that grew up with Toy Story. Yes, that's true. Yes. But what I wanted to get at was, yeah, you seemed like you're, you're a fan of number, number two, which I have always been. Um, I've always sort of thought that was almost the best one. But it seems to get a little bit of a um, bashing online. Compared to oh, one and three, it? yeah. But I thought number two is great. You're right. It's got Jesse. I can't. It's got some. Yeah. It's got number two is about songs. like the number two is about the the Jesse character gets kidnapped by that other character, right? But Woody gets ca- kidnapped by that toy collector, and he meets Jesse and Stinky Pete. And and the the dude the the boy version of Jesse. Yeah, Woody. Like the evil. Oh no, no. Stinky Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Stinky oh, Pete. Oh god, I'm confused. Stinky Pete, yes, the bad prospector. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Kelsey yeah, Grammer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the bad prospector. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yeah. I feel like... Do you have any Toy Stories? No. No, I've got some other Pixar, but not Toy Story. It's a good time to revisit childhood films. I watched Milan recently. So did I, with my family, when I was allowed to see my did family. You actually? Before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. It's such a good film. I love Milan. I can't wait for the live action one to come out, but apparently Disney Plus is going to charge us like $40 to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We're living in a weird world. (laughs) I mean, I feel for them. They're not going to recoup their expenditure because it can't go to the cinemas. I know. I know. But also heaps of people have lost their jobs. So just give us a break. Yeah. And Disney, you know, they're... They're the ones that really need, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they need our charity right now. <sighs> well, 
Look, this film is pretty comforting, the one we're going to talk about today. It definitely wasn't a film of my youth, and I had never seen it before. It is a Hanks. Yeah. It's a Hanks double time, because not only is he in it. time. Triple time. Yeah. Not only in he... Or quadruple. He's in it. He wrote it. Yep. He directed it. Yep. And he wrote some of the songs. Yeah, that's it. I know. Amazing. Uh, Well done to Mr. Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed, I've been spending a lot of time looking up Hanks on the computer over the past couple of weeks, and have you noticed there's now, like, on Wikipedia, under personal life, there's a whole section on COVID-19? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Weird, right? I mean, that's a pretty massive thing to happen to him. Yeah, it's true. And we're we're glad he got through it. Um, And he was one of the first kind of celebrities for it to happen to, and he spoke out about it. And it happened in Australia, so we have, like, it was maybe it was even bigger news here, I don't know. Yes, but we are talking about his directorial debut, That Thing You Do. Do, 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 do. No, that's the wrong tune. So we've taken a step back. So we Road to Perdition last fortnight. We've gone a step back. So Road to Perdition, six Oscar nominations, um, one win. That Thing You Do, one Oscar nomination, zero wins. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, we're just... Much more worthy than Road to Perdition. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. We're taking a step back. So this is like probably like peak Hanks, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But he'd just come off. He'd done Philadelphia. He'd done uh, Forrest Gump. He'd done Apollo 13 and Toy Story. So like it was really Mm -hmm. like that, um, you know, the world's greatest actor, Thomas Hanks, sort of Mm. time of his life. And because of that sort of that sort of run of films that, yeah, uh, 20th Century Fox said, hey, you want to make a movie? We'll give you complete creative control. Um, yeah. And it ended up with that thing you do. Yeah. We should say it's 1996. Yeah. This era of peak Hanks, which, yeah, yeah I yeah. wouldn't have really known. But, yeah, 1996. Yeah, apparently he wrote it while he was filming Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about stardom, and I think he's kind of mentioned that it was, I mean, he was a massive star at this point and I guess he was new to being a massive star. So it's kind of explores that a little bit. Yeah. I think it does sort of reflect in a few ways, his career, that sort of entry to stardom, but also I think in, in the structure of the movie, we kind of see exactly how much sway he sort of had in a film, which again, we'll we'll get to later. We we already know how this film came into my life. You know, it was part of the Tom Hanks collection, but it, in watching it and thinking it through, it does sort of place when I got the Tom Hanks collection a little bit more. It was definitely year 12 because yeah. I remember watching this movie for the first time and really loving it and immediately wanting to show it to uh, my friends. So I remember yeah. staying at um, a mate's place and I was like, let's watch this movie. It's really good. Everyone just immediately falling asleep like... <laughs> oh, no, Paul. <laughs> Half an hour into it's it. Not, it's not a... I'd say it's not a boy sleepover movie. Not this wasn't, gender. This wasn't boys sleepover. This was me in year 12 where, you know, like most of my friends were girls. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> well, it's clearly yeah. not a girl sleepover movie either. <laughs> no. Um, that serves me right for pretending. <laughs> um, but, and then I remember at university trying to show it to another group of people and then just like partway through just being bored. Um <laughs> Really? Yeah. But I... For youth these days. That's I know, right? I can say. But I, I just remember loving it. And I, I 
downloaded the soundtrack, obviously, and still listen to that, and know that there's yeah. a um, new vinyl pressing of the soundtrack coming out pretty soon, which I'm excited oh, about. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. But, yeah, that's sort of um, my relationship with it. But always, like, always come back to this one um, as a pick-me-upper. Which we need in these. I'm surprised times. that your that your year twelves wouldn't have your friends in year twelve wouldn't have liked it because, like, it's I can understand you liking it because it's kind of musical, it's music based. So yeah. it's, you know, it's it's like a musical, and you were into musicals, and surely your friends were all musical people. Yeah, there or thereabouts. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So. Yeah. So you hadn't seen it before you bought the box set, um, and no. I had not seen it until. You said we're doing this film. I hadn't even heard of it for it. Wow. Um, even. Yeah. Wild. But yeah. Yeah, I know. You want to give us a little plot breakdown? I will give the plot breakdown. You gave the plot breakdown last week, so I... I did, and it was should... long and rambling. <laughs> I think it was all right. Um, oh, thanks. But anyway, so we're, we're introduced to Guy Patterson. He's, um, sort of, he's a teenager working at his dad's uh, like appliance store. Electronic... Oh. Not electronics like we know them, but yeah. Oh, it's the '60s, by the way, folks. It's like yes, it's not it's yes. not modern day. No, so he's like selling washing machines and and yeah. other fancy new things like a yeah. radio. He is um, clearly not really into that though, but you get the vibe that that's where he's going. His dad wants him to sort of look after the store. He seems to live at the store, or at least there's sort of like an office downstairs that he hangs out in. I think was the yeah. vibe I got. He's like a wannabe like beatnik kind of guy, like. Lots of turtlenecks. Yeah. Dark colours. Listens to jazz. And I really like that because yeah. it, it really sort of reminds me of, you know, being in that sort of late stage of high school or kids that I teach now and, you know, people trying to really, like, click in to be, like, an identity. Like, I'm this guy, you know. Yeah. But I think he's a bit older. I was trying to gauge his age. You're not really ever kind of – it's not explicitly said, but he seems to be in his mid-20s, I would say. Yeah, actually, that's that's true. Maybe it's a bit higher than later high school, sort of just finished. But yeah, still like, you know, around town. Youthful, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it, he plays the drums, and it's clear that he really loves playing the drums. So meanwhile, after we get introduced to Guy, we also get introduced to a bunch of other um, town musicians that are forming a band, sort of in the early stages. You've got Jimmy, who's like the lead singer dude. You've got the backup guitarist Lenny and you've got the bass player who's not named in the film um he's called TB player the bass player Player. (laughs) (laughs) um which which was a joke that Tom Hanks wrote in because he was like uh, bass players are always kind of like anonymous um and no one cares or knows about them (laughs) which is yeah um and then they've also got Chad the drummer and they're trying to come up with a name for their band because they've got a, a talent contest coming up and they're going to play one of Jimmy's songs there. While they're sort of mucking around, Chad's trying to jump over parking meters and he falls over and breaks his wrist. So they suddenly need a drummer for their talent contest. So they know that Guy plays the drums. They go see him. Guy agrees. He's actually kind of excited about it. They go to the ten- talent contest and it was this sort of like um, love ballad that they were going to sing called That Thing You Do. But... Uh, Guy's really excited and sort of like feels the song and starts, starts playing um, uh, the beat a lot faster. And Jimmy freaks out a little bit, but then the crowd goes absolutely wild. And they win the talent contest and they get asked to um, play regularly at a local Italian restaurant. 
and they start um, getting a bit of a crowd to come along and especially hear that one song. Someone visits the restaurant who's sort of like, he lives inside like a camper van, but he does sort of produce music. And He's like a traveling scoutsman, like a, a music scout. Yeah. Like that was my impression of what his job was. And he um, says, look, can you get this... Uh, pressed into a record. Pressed into a record. And yeah, um, Guy has a uncle who's a preacher that sometimes records his sermons. So they borrow the, the stuff, they record that thing you do. And I think they actually had already done that. They had already done that. Yeah. And then the guy comes along and he's like, I can get it on the radio for yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. They get it on the radio mm. and they hear it on the radio. And I love it because every step of the way, the the um, band and... Oh, I should also mention that um, Jimmy has a girlfriend called... She isn't called Liv Tyler. She's played by Liv Tyler um, called Faye. Um, Faye, yeah. Yeah, who's sort of like the unofficial fifth member of the band. She sort of hangs out with them all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But every time that something happens, like, you know, people like their song or they get on the radio, everyone's just so genuinely excited. And it's sort of just yeah. like, I don't, I don't think they think they're going to go very far with it. They just think that everything's the coolest. Yes. Um, yeah. They're like, but, someone's interested in our song. Yeah, wow. That's it. Oh, my God. Now it's on the radio. Whoa. Yeah, we'll be able to play now at the Capital City. That's, that's amazing. You know. Yeah. So they play a gig at the Capital City. It goes a bit badly, but their sort of scout producer has got it, got a call from uh, executive from Playtone Records, played by Tom Hanks, who... Mr. White. Mr. White, who says to them, I'm going to take over your management. Um, and Guy is the person who's called upon because they sort of see him as the thinker. And he says, yeah, sure. So they get signed to Playtone and they start touring state fairs. Meanwhile, their record, That Thing You Do, starts coming up the charts. It's getting bigger and bigger and suddenly cracks the top 10 and they sort of become a standalone thing. They're no longer part of the galaxy of Playtone stars. They're their own thing, the the wonders, as they're yep. called. Yeah, and then just as they sort of reach their peak, a few things happened. Um, the bass player, uh, who from the start has always um, been interested in the military, has to actually... Well, I think he's signed up. Yeah, and he's, yeah uh... but he seems genuinely like... Wants to be in the military. Yeah. Is oh, it, yeah. He has a, a very, like, enthusiastic, uh, like, naive uh, patriotism that... Yeah, that's it. ...means that he wants to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he has, to, he has to leave and serve with the military. The success kind of gets to Lenny's head in a crazy way, and he sort of goes off the rails a little bit. Not in, like, a mean-spirited way, but, you know, runs off to Vegas and has a crazy wedding. And, <laughs> um, and Jimmy, who's always sort of been about like making art out of his music where the other boys I think have kind of just been there for the fun of the ride is getting yes. annoyed by having to play sort of this one poppy song and wants to sing more like deep soulful stuff yes and he's very much like yeah he he's the whole time though I guess has taken himself really seriously as an artist so he's like really worried about any contracts they have to sign and he's like yeah oh I don't know you know he's like very he's very I am an artist one yep. track mind. He doesn't get distracted by the joys of, you know, being famous. No, that that's it. Yeah, he's yeah, and um, even like his relationship with Faye starts to get more distant as he sort of concentrates more and more on his music, and it, it leads to this bit where they finally get this huge performance on um the Hollywood TV showcase, and during it, these captions come up that say their names, but for Jimmy, it says Jimmy, watch out, ladies, he's engaged. 
Yeah. And Jimmy loses it at Faye and, you know, yells at her and says, should have dumped you in Pittsburgh and... Faye says... Well, he, he thinks that Faye's told everyone that they're engaged yeah. when she hasn't. No. She's like, I've not, not said anything. It was a marketing thing I know thing we're not Mr. engaged. White. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's cracking the sands big time. So they go into their next recording session and Jimmy's fed up with it and he quits. Yeah. So Guy's sort of left by himself and that's the end of the wonders. Yeah. And... T- Tom Hanks, Mr. White's just like, yeah, this happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've got the recording time. The, the other thing, we've had this sort of parallel story that Guy is obsessed with this jazz musician by the name of Del Paxton. And as part of his sort of rise to the top, he gets to meet Del and um, right at the end gets to have this jam session with his hero, which is yeah. kind of sweet right at yeah, the end. Yeah, that's right. And then you get and like a nice little... Um, Oh, sorry. There's the, sorry. Keep going. Oh no, I was going to say that's about it. That's about oh well. The end then, of the movie. then the love story between Faye oh, and yes. <laughs> so then the love God. story is such a little part of this movie. I it just is. don't. <laughs> so guy guy has like I guess throughout he's always been like friends with Faye and has looked after her. She got sick and he pays more attention to her when she's sick than Jimmy does. And he looks at her in a way you know his look lingers and the camera lingers on him looking at her every now and then. So you know that he's like. Interested, but never going to do anything. And he never does anything yeah. more than a friend. So he's very respectful. And then right at the end, he like goes and see, like they talk and they end up making out. And then they we get this nice little prologue for each character that tells us about what they're doing. And turns out those two get married and have like four kids and open some and a jazz like tutoring school. school. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a nice ending. It's really nice. And yeah. I guess my um, rose-coloured review was that, yeah, I still really enjoy this movie. I feel like when I sort of first watched it, I, I think I actually went to Blockbuster or a Blockbuster equivalent and also watched the extended cut. Oh, yep. Which I think's better. It is a bit longer. It's like two over um, two so hours, I, isn't it? Yeah, which we can, we can talk about in a bit. Um, watching it this time, I watched it with my wife and um, she also enjoyed it, but... As has been my experience with that movie, she said in the middle it got a little bit boring when they kept playing that same song, <laughs> which I totally understand. I understand. Um, it's a good song though. Yeah, I, like I, I, only, I only got minutely annoyed at the amount of times they played it. It was a tiny bit yeah. though. And and for a movie that really examines the history of a one-hit wonder, I think mm. you really got to get to that that feeling of oversaturation mm, with the totally. audience as well. And Jimmy's frustration with having to play that same song again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I still really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, you know, couldn't really... Like, I was worried I was going to go back to it because I remember that parts of it, such as the love story, were fairly heavy-handled. Um, Handed, yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. But watching back on it, it's still not like... It's clear It's clear that this movie, even though it is Tom Hanks, you know, it is someone's first written and directed movie, you know? Like, there's a, a clunkiness to it, but it wasn't... I didn't come back at it and was, like, overly offended by anything, you know? No, no. I feel yeah. like if anything is the epitome of Tom Hanks's brand, which <laughs> I guess is his character... Because hopefully he hasn't curated his brand too much. It seems like, it seems genuinely this is who he is, but who knows. But if there is any movie that is at the epitome of him as what we expect him to be, I feel like this is it. And especially yep. the more I read about it as well, like it's just, it's a movie about 
pretty nice people doing things that aren't that offensive. There's some, like, for the 90s, there's probably quite a bit of diversity in there. When I, yeah. you, you might have noticed this in the extended cut, but there's even um, Tom Hanks's character is meant to be gay, which we yeah. don't we don't get to see in this version of it, but I read about it. So it's like, yeah, him writing it is he's obviously a thoughtful individual, and he I know he's done, he did Philadelphia, which probably has obviously inspired him to be more thoughtful when he's yeah. creating characters and and include that diversity. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think it's, yeah, especially for a '90s movie that's set in the '60s, the the diversity is um definitely active, apparent. Yes, an, active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's definitely things that could be better, and we can talk about yeah. that. But for the most um, part, it's the, a very nice Tom Hanks yeah. film. <laughs> the the niceness I think is epitomised. My one of my favourite bits in the movie is so when they're sort of right at their peak of being famous, that they're, they're at this hotel and the bass player sees that some military personnel are staying at that hotel and yeah. he's immediately like, oh, man, I want to impress these guys. So yeah. he goes over to them and is like, thank you for your service, blah, blah, blah. And they go, you can thank me by getting you to do... by doing 100 push-ups right yeah, now. Yeah, they're, like, like, they're like... That's a bit mean. Yeah, they they're, they come on really tough and they're like, oh, who's this idiot punk yep. who's just like wants to be like us? We'll teach him a lesson. That's it. And then... In the next scene, when they're supposed to be together at the band, the the bass player doesn't show up. And I remember the first time watching it thinking, oh, no, he's got into trouble with the military guys. Yes. Oh, my God. But yes. He, he didn't get into trouble. They've just gone to Disneyland. Yes. It just cuts to, <laughs> cuts to him and these two army guys with Mickey Mouse just riding a roller coaster yeah. and getting photos taken. It's beautiful. It's, just, it's really nice. It is. It, you're right. It's totally the epitome. I just actually literally made a note of that right then, so I didn't forget to say it. But I feel like... It's like there's a couple of other times when this happens as well. It's like the things could go wrong moment. It's like that, oh, this is where things go wrong. Because you're always anticipating when you're watching a movie, you're always like trying to guess what's going to happen. You're trying to unconsciously um, or consciously like my sister who just asks me out loud (laughs) and it's really irritating. (laughs) Sorry, Anna. I love you. (laughs) But yeah, and then so you're always like, you know, preempting what's going to happen. So there's two scenes with this. One of them is with that one, which was so beautiful. You're like, immediately my mind was gone like, oh my God, he's going to be tied up somewhere. He's going to be like <laughs> brutally bashed up and in an alleyway, you know, his innocence completely lost. But then he's just yeah. like, whoo, with the biggest grin on his face <laughs> and the like the most childlike enthusiasm you've ever seen, just like riding this roller coaster <laughs> with these army dudes. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And the other one that I think is kind of similar is when the traveling manager, so the guy who's like, travels around the guy who kind of initially discovered them and got them on the radio and then got them the deal with Playtone when Tom Hanks um, and him and Guy meet Tom Hanks goes oh I'm gonna be your manager now so this guy can't be your manager anymore and Guy's like a bit no 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 he's been with us you know he got us to where we are now like we want to keep him and he's just like no no it's okay like he's just so accepting and he's like no it doesn't become a shit fight it doesn't become like yeah. The, the story of the manager who got kicked aside to the curb because someone else and bigger came on. It was like this guy just yep. knew that that's his job. He goes and finds the, the little fish, introduces them to the bigger fish so that they can become even bigger. He's the middleman and he's just like happy in that job. And he's like, no, 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 guy, it's okay. You know, it's very yeah. reassuring. Yeah. It's just very like nice. And yeah, it's very reassuring. Oh, yeah. I know we've 
talked about it a little bit already, but uh, just one more moment of that too yeah. is the relationship between Guy and his dad. Mm. You kind of think the dad's going to be like, I hate this music crap. You know, cut your hair and come back and work at the store. Which we should maybe maybe like, we should set up that character a bit because at the start oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. at the start the dad is very much like um very like down on guy very like he's not he doesn't show any commitment to his job he always leaves the lights on if he gets the, to turn the lights off when he leaves um, he's gadding about doing this stupid music stuff he just needs to be a stable job blah blah, blah. he's a very grumpy old man um, yeah and kind of hating on his son. But yeah, and you sort of see it, but you see it evolve too. Like it isn't just a flip of a switch. Um, you see him evolve and sort of go, oh, actually, like you see the dad. All that he wants is his son to sort of be happy with what he's doing, and he's just scared that he's not going to. He's going to end up getting burnt out by this music sort of stuff. But as he becomes successful in it, his dad gets really behind him, and there's some great scenes of the family back at home watching them on the Hollywood showcase. Yeah. Um, I also love that the family kind of adopts Chad, the yes, leftover drum player, yes, too. <laughs> like, so nice. <laughs> Again, a story that could have turned sour, but he's yeah. like, he's just kind of accept. Everyone's very accepting in this world. Everyone's like, you know, life will come and go. And even though he missed out on that massive success, he's there celebrating yeah. still with the family. Yeah, that's that's just it. The it's, unofficial um, son. Really... The unofficial replacement yeah. son. Yeah. It's a really pleasant movie. There were definitely some things I think that were clunky. Um, oh my god, my sister's calling me. She knew. How did she know <laughs> I said that about her? <laughs> oh. uh, some of the clunkiness I think was definitely in the the dad character because I didn't feel like that was the smoothest transition into okay, him yeah. being supportive for me. I was kind of questioned like, oh, why did they make him? so angry at the start but maybe they were just trying to do like it was a very kind of stereotypical 60s dad you know yeah and it was nice to see that change i suppose but yeah yeah that was just a bit clunky i I think so let's talk a little bit i think i want to talk about the production of this movie a bit which i think gives me a theory for what the clunkiness is oh yeah as i sort of alluded to at the start of the episode Tom Hanks at this stage in his career was, you know, Mr. Hollywood. He was the the bee's knees. And he's spoken a little bit about how, uh, like, no one was saying no to him. Mm. Which, it's great that we ended up with such a nice film from that. But Not only was, were people it, not saying no to him. Or did you read this quote that he'd said he was actually becoming quite demanding as well? Like, he said, oh. yeah, I have, I have read this quote a couple of times from the actor's studio that he said, he said to the Holly, he said to the studio, look, I'm a great honking star and you've got to let me do what I want to do. Which the attitude is not very Hanks, but the fact that he used the word honking is pretty funny. He's very Hanks. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's not very rock and roll. Yeah. And I think like, so looking back on this now, so this year also just out of coincidence, I read his um, collection of short stories, The Uncommon Time. Yeah. Yeah. And each of them, as you read them, you're sort of like, what's the sort of vibe here? And all of them were very sort of pleasant character studies. That's what his writing was, and which makes sense as, as an actor. I think my wife was sort of, as we are talking about it, because we both read it, she sort of said that, you know, he is an actor, that's what he does, he studies characters. So yeah. when he's going to produce art, it's going to be that. And I think that's what this film really is. It was a sort of series of sort of in-depth character studies of, of these characters characters on their journey and without anyone sort of saying no he ended up with a hour 48 minute movie that 
looked at these characters, not go through any... Like, you know, it's a big life-changing event making a hit song, but it's not like your standard sort of something really bad happens and there's a hero and there's a save and there's a... It's still quite sort of on a lower level looking at the characters a bit. Mm. But I really feel like that's what he produced. He got this 148-minute character study of these uh, 60s band members and someone's gone, no one's going to watch this. <laughs> they might not have said it to they might not have said it to Hanks, but some editors had to step in there and go, how can I try and jam what he's made into some sort of conventional Hollywood Narrative. archetype that we yeah. can market and sell? Yeah. And that's what I think the big clunkiness of this movie comes. Right, yeah. I think a lot of that sort of slow-paced, um, introspective character development was cut because it wasn't going to... You couldn't market that like, like you wanted to. Your friends would have fallen asleep even quicker. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. So I think a lot of that stuff got plucked out and you're left with kind of a, yeah, a clunky, like I think like a staircase kind of movie, you know, like there's some bigger stairs than yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And some smaller stairs yeah. as you're going along and some bits that don't make the most sense, like the, I guess, sudden relationship between Faye and Guy at the end. I mean, there's hints along the way, but it's very much pushed into a, oh, by the way, this was actually a romance the whole time. Yeah. And, um... Guy's original girlfriend kind of just disappears. disappears yeah. In Played a by sort Charlize of weird Theron. Way. Yeah. Um, in in one her of her second, first second ever yeah. screen role. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Mr. White feels like some sort of weird presence that kind of sort of just comes in and like almost godlike changes stuff. He doesn't sort of get the character development that I think was written into the into the script. Which I think like I'd be interested to watch the director's cut to see if I guess that stuff is a bit more apparent. Yeah. There's this whole plot in the movie, well, kind of plot, but like thing that the movie does where Guy keeps on referring to himself as Spartacus. Yeah. There was a couple of things that were a... quite strange like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so if in the uh, in the director's cut, there's this scene, the first time that like he gets hot and heavy with his first girlfriend, Charlize, Spartacus is playing on the TV. Oh, so, yeah, so it kind of gives it. A, a lead into that. Right, because um, he feels like a yeah. rock star when he's doing that. Yeah, that's that's sort of it, and it yeah. sort of, like, yeah, becomes his thing. But instead, this one just ra- randomly kind of goes, I'm Spartacus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things. You want to talk about him a bit, because there's a couple of things that I was a bit confused about with his character. And yeah, maybe, no, go for it. maybe they would be explained... Yeah, if I read the script or maybe the director's cut. But so first of all, his age I found hard to determine <laughs> because he he seems like he's maybe mid twenties, but he's he says a couple of things there's a couple of things that are interesting about his character in that so he's a drummer and he seems to be referencing that he used to play in a band because he's like oh go on stage again or like oh b- play live again. Like he keeps talking about it like when he joins the Wonders, it's going to be this second round for him. And he's like, oh, get back on the old, you know, um, back in front of a stage. And it's a big deal for him. And the other thing is that people seem to recognise him around town. And a lot of girls, like in the initial stage of the movie, when we're just introduced to him, a lot of girls at the diner are like, isn't that blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, people kind of whisper about him. Like, is he just a really hot guy around town? Is he famous from his previous band? I mean, famous in like a small town way. And then even when the guys are 
the initial Wonders band, so the the band before he joins, they're kind of sitting at the diner trying to decide on their name and they kind of look over at him and they're like, oh, isn't that blah, blah, blah. And it's it's all a bit like to create him, he's a bit other and he's a bit yeah. famous yeah. or extra cool in some way. Yeah, it is. It is. You're right. The, the more you analyze it, the more confusing it kind of gets. Because, because the other also, thing... Yeah. Oh, sorry. The other thing he says at one stage when he's talking to... Del Paxton is like, I saw you play once in Berlin where I was on tour with, like, yeah, not not with actually, a band right. though, but I think it was it with the military. Like, was he in yeah, the military? That is kind of. Can you shed any light on ambiguous. that? I can't. I forgot about that line. Yeah. With the, um, on tour. Yeah. But it, but I didn't get the impression I, it was like a like a band tour. Did you? No, I definitely got it. It was a military tour. I forgot about that line mm. and its head scratchingness. Yeah, so um, I think I think I feel like he's like in his mid to late twenties, surely. Tom Hanks on the special features talked about, I guess, all of the band members and sort of saying when he wrote it, he wanted to imagine all of the band players were kind of like, they're all the musos from a town that all sort of like been in little bands or whatever. Yeah. No one was really committed to it, um, so they'd probably all worked together before with bits and pieces and when they went to enter the talent show really it was jimmy that wanted to sing his song and he just sort of assembled a ragtag group of yeah would play with him yeah Um, so that was sort of the vibe he was going for i guess but it's not really explicitly the the yeah the town is kind of weird in that it's like definitely small town but you're right it's it's weird weirdly small in that everyone really does seem to know each other but then also conveniently doesn't know a couple of people you know (laughs) yeah yeah like the bit when they get introduced to play at this italian restaurant they're like oh yeah is that that italian restaurant over near the airport i guess maybe but then yeah i got the impression it was new maybe and especially being italian it was like kind of foreign yeah yeah but then at the same time they're all sort of like um yeah as you said it knew everything about everyone in the town yeah yeah The same with that. They had all these like fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which it did. Like, I definitely have had that experience before of like, even just being in Melbourne with local Melbourne bands that you see play around town. Like oh, the one that we, I was like crazy about and like, we used to go to a lot of their, there was a couple, but one that we used to go to a lot of their gigs was who's, what was Gautier's band called? Asking the wrong crowd here. Uh, it's a generational thing. <laughs> <laughs> it actually might be oh my god what were they called they were kind of 60s style like they were kind of like this um and we used to go and see them a lot and like in our mind they were kind of celebrity status but they're not they weren't not, yeah, celebrities yeah. uh and it kind of reminded me of that and i and i that's a similar for back at home as well when you're in the country you would have maybe had a similar thing where there's like local bands who play at like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the red light disco or, um, <laughs> and you kind of know that they're, that they're going to play. Oh, it was, they were called the basics. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we would, and, you would go yeah. and see these bands and they would feel famous, but in a very local way. Yeah. 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 Very much so. That's yeah. Part of the, I think the vibe he was definitely going for in writing it, but yeah, it was kind of a bit wishy-washy in its portrayal. Yeah, like yeah, maybe there was maybe there was more stuff that we were meant to know that was kind of cut out. And he was a bit too like when I first when we first meet Guy, I was like he's just a bit too cool for. I was expecting like a bit of a a, a nerdy to cool guy, 
transition or something like that. And he was he was kind of already cool at the start and he was quite arrogant in a way as well. Mm. A lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was actually nice that he kind of, he started maybe a little bit more arrogant and then his nicer side kind of came out throughout the movie in his relationship or his caringness of Faye. It could have gone a little bit further yeah. probably, but but I felt like at the start I was kind of a bit put off him because he was so cool. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I say that, yeah, I think the characters needed that sort of fleshing out, but also can see from a studio point of view, this wasn't, it's, it would have been a hard one to market if you couldn't sort of just focus on a standard love story or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was nice that the love yeah. story was kind of re- relegated to the sidelines. Like, I didn't mind that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have some issues with the character of Faye because she's such a fucking doormat. Like, oh, my God, she's yeah. so bland. Yeah, and I think she's another one that I uh, think a lot of her stuff was cut. Right. And, um, yeah, I think the building of her character was very subtle and if yes. you cut away a lot of that especially that sort of last speech to jimmy that she gives sort of yeah. seems where'd that come from yeah <laughs> so she's she's kind of downtrodden this whole she's second second playing second fiddle to the to the music essentially like he's she's mm. in love with him he's in love with writing music and so she, she kind of suffers through that the whole time and he doesn't treat her very well or he begins to kind of ignore her more and more. Yeah. And then right at the end when the whole fiancé debacle happens and he accuses her of telling everyone that they were engaged, she's like finally, you know, dredges up the courage to be like, you should have dumped me in whatever and like gives him this tearful speech. Yeah. But besides that, like, and that's not even, yeah, she kind of has no personality the whole the whole time. She's very flat and she devotes all of her energy to his band which also must have been pretty irritating like couldn't they have made her a singer in the band yeah and have a bit more autonomy Um, or something i don't know peggy agrees Mm. peggy agrees Mm. (laughs) yes yeah i think female characters yes peggy i agree yeah i i think she is i don't want to say underused it's it's sort of like yeah underdeveloped definitely underdeveloped yeah it's all i feel like also because Liv Tyler, actually, I haven't, don't know if I've seen anything where I'm like, man, she's a good actress. Maybe Empire Records. But she's she's got talent, right? Yeah, I think so. She's, she's also a star, so it's weird to see yeah. her in this kind of very, very, like, subdued character. Yeah, that's it. Like, this wouldn't have, she wouldn't have done a lot before this, would she? Probably not, yeah. I'm um, not sure. Yeah, she would have been very young at least yeah the movie is like really interesting and then it does have a very young like cast the the only star at the time was tom hanks but there are a lot of cameos in there which is great to see from his other films yeah for well just you know like also his wife his wife yeah yeah his wife yeah um was in there his son his son his daughter i'm pretty sure was in there as an extra yeah but also you get to see what's his name chris isaac He's the preacher uncle. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not pick that up. Yeah. And Paul Feig, the uh, director of, you know, like Bridesmaids and Spy, he was the DJ at that oh, really? station, yeah, where they go in and say hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I quite liked the montage when they're kind of on their rise to fame and they have to do all these like stupid appearances where they don't really get to say anything yeah they're just like turning up and saying a few words and then they're playing on that the set of a movie where they're just playing some it it, i think it just captured the kind of 
like like the commercialism of fame i guess like yeah. the commercialism of of music and music can be an art form but it can also be a way to make money and this is very much like that one hit wonder we're going to get as much money out of you as we can and then you might have produce another one or you might not we're just going to try and get as much as you much from you as we can yeah and i think like that was probably the most pointed commentary that Hank sort of has on an entertainment industry is during that that sort of bit where it's very much like you're selling a product, folks, you know? And they kind of, like, they're all into it. They're all like, it, I feel like they all appreciate that this is a crazy life yeah. thing to happen. Like, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing to happen. And except for Jimmy, who's very much more and more getting irritated by the fact that they don't get to cut another record. Yeah. And when they do, when they are asked to cut another record, it's covers of other Playtone stars. And he's, that's when he quits because he's just like, nah, fuck this. You do find out at the end, folks, that Jimmy does go back to Playtone with new bands and becomes a famous yes. um, artist. And Tom Hanks, is very, Tom Hanks's character is very uh, pragmatic about that. He's like, Jimmy's the talent. You're the smart yeah. one. And I forget what he says about the other two guys. Um, Lenny's the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it kind of just shows that the record labels need the talent, no matter how crazy the talent is. Yeah. And the talent also needs the record labels. So it's like this weird symbiotic relationship where, you know, one of them can be an absolute baby and demanding and everything. And it kind of, yeah, go, yeah. Who, who's in charge kind of goes backwards and forwards. And I wonder how much of Jimmy's character was inspired by Hanks's feelings of, I am a star, so yeah, get me what it. I want. Um, Which is quite quite introspective of him, really. Yeah, I, I think so. Mm. And yeah, judging by that interview that he gave, that you you were quoting from, that you know he does have some understanding of of where I think he could have gone. Um, yes, been. how demanding he could have mm. been. Yeah, yeah. Instead, yep. he just turned into the nicest man in Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Some better female characters and he would have got a better tick mm. from me. But it was a very... You were right in saying that there's not much to be outraged about in this yeah. film. Yeah. Well, actually, Liv Tyler's character and Charlize's character also get a bit more of a say in on the extended cut. So Charlize Theron's character used to be with Guy but ends up going with her dentist. Like, you know, they start dating. and That was a great scene as well when she meets her dentist and he's like this um, god-like... Yeah. <laughs> Is it Adonis? Is that what, the, yeah, is that what yeah, they say? Yeah. He's like, he looks like a Ken doll. Yeah. It's so good. Um, but yeah, And she kind of looks like a Barbie, so yeah. it's great. And she's sort of developed a bit more in that... And again, it's not like, you know, what you might expect from sort of like... She's like, well, if you care too much about your music, I'm going to go off and, you know, be with my dentist. It's sort of more a more realistic sort of like a... Actually, we're not in love, Um and you know like it's, let's let's yeah. let go yeah. it's like let, a letting go of a relationship that might have gone somewhere but didn't feel like it was going anywhere yeah which which yeah. also is really good i think you know it's not it doesn't have to be high high drama all the time yeah um, that's right but as i said i think before i think it, because it wasn't high high drama all the time the studio did get a bit confused as to what they <laughs> what they'd got like yeah, yeah, and maybe why she was in it. Yeah, as much as yeah. Yeah. But he, so I had a read a little quote from Hanks on Charlie Theron because it's quite interesting. I don't really know her from her work when she was young, at all. I just know her from her more mm. adult, from when she's a, a, an adult, really. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I hardly recognise her as a young. I mean, you recognise the features, but she does look so young. Yeah. She 
Yeah, and for me, I felt like she kind of came... <laughs> in my mind, this is so crazy. Like, in my mind, she lived in South Africa till she was, like, in her 30s. <laughs> then she came to Hollywood and just suddenly got famous straight away. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, well, for Charlize. So, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, she's been hustling to get to where she is. Uh, but t- apparently, Tom Hanks when she was uh well actually i'll tell you this whole story that apparently is how she got to get in this film yeah apparently she went she went to the bank right and they wouldn't cash her check so she threw a tantrum in the bank and in la and some producer was like i don't know if you're into acting but you should be because it was like such an outrageous tantrum (laughs) and that's how she got the meeting with hanks and the audition and then after her audition, apparently Hanks said, and I quote, she's got it. That girl is going to be somebody. And apparently he wrote in her script, no matter what, I will always claim to have discovered you. Ah, oh, so, that's so nice. I know, isn't that nice? So he yep. knew that she was going to be a star. And he was right. Because this year at Golden Globes, they gave Tom Hanks some award for like, you know, being... Lifetime of service, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that basically thing. And she introduced him. And word around town, according to the podcast I listened to, they were supposed to get Spielberg to do it, but yeah. he was busy filming West Side Story. So Charlie's was next up at the rank. But it's good to hear that there's sort of like a basis. And she did. She talked. She talked about him giving her a break. Yeah. Um, didn't tell that full story. That's good to good to know. But yeah, it was um, very genuine. So I, I have multiple sources for the the thing that said like when he, what he said about her. I only have one source for her throwing a tantrum in the bank. So you know, <laughs> believe it or yeah. don't believe it. She oh, might want to deny it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. But no, that is good to hear. Of yeah. Hanks as a person. Yeah. Exactly. Can I talk about some other random things that I found out? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Go. Go. Oh, apparently no music from the 60s was actually used because it was too expensive. Yeah. It was all sort of written by a, a few people, including Hanks, who wrote quite a lot of the songs. Yeah. And he said in one of the things I read, um, it said that Forrest Gump had just done a movie that used like all the kind of real songs from that era and all the kind yeah. of big, big events from that era. So it had been done already. So they were like, nah. But also it was just super expensive. And even Hanks couldn't demand yeah. that. That's right, even though he was a big honking star. I would love to watch the scene in the extended version where Hanks's boyfriend is introduced, but I didn't. Is it in the deleted scenes or anything? Um, no, The this DVD, I feel... Uh, I, I can't remember if I just read a lot about like the deleted scenes or if I... I, I have a memory of borrowing it from Blockbuster having already had it. So I must have borrowed it to get the... Anyway. Oh, the extra features and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But this disc doesn't actually have a lot of special features on it. It had right. um, two music clips, one for that thing you do and one for that other song that they sing, like the Dance With Me Baby one. Their whatever. B-side, whatever it is, yeah. No, not that one. That one that's sort of like uh, that Lenny gets to sing when they're at the... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the music videos were just their performances from the film. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> I watched a great video of NSYNC covering That Thing You Do, the song. Oh, wow. It was so good. That's amazing. It was like, it was my version of the 90s. It was yeah. Um, um, so I think it, it became quite popular. Like, I think it kind of had its own success. Yeah. Yeah. It um really did. And... Yeah, as as we said, that that's the Oscar nomination this film got. It was for best song. Lost out to the song that the extra song that 
Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote for the Evita Madonna version. Ah. Yeah, which kind of sucks. This is such a banger. They should have given them. (laughs) It is such a good song. Like, it would legitimately be a hit. I mean, I find it a bit unfair that these kind of films are so overlooked for awards because you don't have to be like... Sometimes you just want a good, happy film, you know? Yeah, that's it. And that should be rewarded. Very much so. I think that's that's why I love this movie, because it is just genuinely happy. Mm. Yeah. Even the, the sad bits are kind of happy, you know? Yeah, and I can't... I will never forget the the joy on that bass player's face as he <laughs> rides around that roller coaster on Disney in Disneyland. Yeah. That was just so... That's the epitome of joy. Um, but talking about the guy who wrote... Or talking about the song. So the mm. guy who wrote the song is... Name is Adam Schlesinger. Do you know and anything about how to pronounce that name? Adam Schlesinger. No. But he passed but he, away recently? Of COVID. Oh, what? Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he contracted the virus and passed away recently from the virus. And they did a... Which everyone should go and watch this. But they did a watch party with all of the members of the band, so all the actors who played the members of the band, and they released it on YouTube where the movie's playing and they're doing their commentary over the top. So there'd be lots of, like, I wish I had have watched that before this podcast because I'm sure there's heaps of amazing tidbits and stuff to, um, to I, glean from that. Yeah, I watched little bits of it, um, yep. when it when it came out, and it was just sort of good to, like, you know, they're all old, well, not old men, they're all, like, grown-ups now, which is... Like, interesting to see as itself. Yeah. And Colin Hanks came and spoke for a while and spoke about it too. And I knew it was to support, because I think it, they it's did a... It's the COVID relief. Yeah, and I think especially money. for artists that, yeah. you know, are struggling with it. But yeah, I had no idea that the, you know, the singer had died yeah. because of, so well, due to COVID. That's awful. Yeah, and he's done so many... Yeah, he's obviously done heaps of heaps of films before, but it just it it was amazing when I read about him because there's so many things that I recognize as being like good pop songs as well, and I've always kind of wondered how movies they're all in movies. So, for example, um, in Josie and the Pussycats, he wrote the music for Josie and the Pussycats. He also wrote the music <laughs> for um, Music and Lyrics, which I love the songs in mu- Music and Lyrics. Wow, what a coincidence! Yeah. That was just on TV the other day. We watched like, oh, was it half an hour of it? Yeah. Yes. Pop goes my heart. Um, yes, I love that song and all the kind of 80s, 80s inspired songs that Hugh Grant's band in quotation marks played. He also wrote music for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which um, I love. I love the music in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, and he's one of my favorite songs he won an Emmy for, which was the La La Land spoof which is called antidepressants are not a big deal, are so not a big deal, which is this whole big song about how everyone's on antidepressants. (laughs) So it's it's okay to go on antidepressants. It's not a big deal, you know. So many people are on it. It's okay. So it says in this article, it says he wrote all the music for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But I know that Rachel Bloom is also involved in that, so I guess it's probably a collaborative effort. But, yeah, so many of those songs are amazing. So he's obviously an incredible composer. Yeah, yeah. I'm just having a look over, like, yeah, the amount of shows that he's given songs to. And it always makes me like, especially with music and lyrics, I've always just thought, like, imagine how strange is it that your your job is to make hits for movies, 
why not just yeah. make hits for real life? Because he yeah. these, the songs could have been hits in real life as well. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an interesting like choice, career choice. And he must have loved the film industry and the, the TV industry in some ways. Yeah. So I don't know. Just like, but you know, it all just gets that vibe. Yep. You know? Yeah, so he's done heaps of stuff, which is awesome. As far as the... We spoke a little bit about the special features go, but yeah, like there was the trailers on there. There was... Including trailers in like all different European languages, which is always sort of fun to watch, you know. So um, you like... You taught yourself Spanish to watch the... Yeah. <laughs> mm, great. <laughs> yeah, the music videos and a like marketing kind of behind the scenes thing that was just yeah. sort of had this host being like, can you believe Tom Hanks can also write and direct? Let's have a look at a little bit of time behind the screens of that thing you do. That thing and you it do. was good. Yeah. You heard the band members talking about how they, you know, had three months of rehearsal as an actual band to yeah. learn their instruments. And there's yeah. some really cute stories. The guy who played Jimmy told the story, told the story of every scene where he was seen playing the guitar He'd be watching the camera sort of out of the corner of his eye. So when the camera was on his face, he could like look confident in there. And then as soon as it was off his face, he'd be staring at his hand going like A chord, <laughs> C chord. <laughs> and then he'd be like, uh-huh. yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a bad yeah. joke because that was real visual. <laughs> yeah. they. So apparently they did it so well that all the extras on set thought that they were really playing it, but they were just miming yeah. along. Yeah. But yeah. All that rehearsal must have paid off which i think you've got to do in a movie that's about being a band i think oh, i surely totally yeah. understand that um totally you know it's the same with like la la land or um whiplash you you know you hear about the rehearsals that the stars had to put in for piano and drums in them because yeah. you, you can't do a realistic movie without some talent you know i mean you can cut away and show someone else's hands playing the the drums but you've got to but also you in this, it, I yeah. feel like it's it's even more full on in this day and age where we're so media aware, we're so like film literate. Like we're like, oh, if, if they cut away from their hands and they go back to something else and then they cut back to the hands without, in a different shot yeah. where the audience is so aware, they're like, oh, that's clearly a hand model or like, you know, that's clearly someone else playing now. And I feel like you want to try and avoid that as much as possible because you want to keep the audience in the film. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's, hard, it's harder and harder to convince us because we're a more and more aware and critical audience, which is must be tough for those poor actors. Those poor actors. So does that lead us to a decision, Paul? I think it does. And remember, folks listening, um, that we are doing a box set at the moment. So we're, we're tallying up votes. Road to Perdition, I was happy to go to the op shop. Mm. Um, this one, look, I, it would be a vote for keep, mm. which is going to be interesting when we get to the end of it. But mm. I love this movie. And unfortunately, it's not on a streamer. No, I it, bought it off yeah. Google Play. It was pretty, it was easy to find on Google Play. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's a 20th Century Fox one. And Disney Plus has started sort of releasing the um, family-orientated con- content from 20th Century Fox. And I was really shocked this isn't one of them. Like, there's nothing in here that, you know, the mouse is going to have issues with. You're not going to have no. to... Did, digitally block out someone's bottom <laughs> is that something they've done yeah on splash because there's a scene where you see the mermaid's bottom they extended her hair digitally oh my god yeah <laughs> truly um, amazing which you wouldn't have to do there's no bottoms in this at all and mickey mouse is already in it you just think that's it's right yeah. perfect synergy it is um, <laughs> that's right 
you know, we're going to have to talk to talk about some alternatives when we get to the end of the box set because I wonder, is it worth? Like, if everything else is a is a chuck out, a vote for the chuck out. Do you just buy like a special edition of this DVD and then you get all the special features? You just one in, one out kind of situation, or is that not allowed? Well, like, I'm going to have to do some serious thinking over the next three films. They might all be keepers. You never know. Well, I think you've already told us some of your thoughts on Bachelor Party, so... <laughs> yeah, but I'm waiting to hear from you. You've often turned my thoughts around a bit. <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> and I think it's un- you know it's unlikely for me. If you already think this movie is bad, for me to go, no, this is amazing, it's going to be pretty... <laughs> it's yeah. going to be the twist, the twist of the century. Well, we'll find out in a few weeks' time. But yeah, that's, sure a, that's a vote for keep. The next film right. that, that we're going back in time, so we've gone Road to Perdition, sort of old Hanks to sort of peak Hanks, that thing you do. It's it's a bit confusing when you say old Hanks because it is it like old in time mm. or is it like old in age? You're talking I about old say, in age. Yeah, I should say old man Hanks. Old man old Hanks man. <laughs> goes to peak Hanks. And then next one we've got is sort of like, I guess, if that thing you do sort of the end of peak Hanks, sort of that run... Big, which is the next one, probably could be the start of Peak Hanks because this was his first Oscar nomination. Right. I think, no, first Golden Globe nomination, my mistake. Yeah, but it's like a start of the awards. Yeah, it's the start of Train. like... It's, you know, it's out of... Because he rose to fame as one of the two bosom buddies on the sitcom Bosom Buddies. Um, really? Oh, yeah. that's why, because when I was reading about this, when I was reading about that thing you do, there's um, apparently there's like some Bosom Buddy reunion in it. Like there's some of the actors from Bosom Buddies come come back okay. in this yeah. film. Like he must have like just got them on, you know, for the fun of it. And yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what Bosom Buddy is. <laughs> and I didn't look it up. So there you go. Thanks for that. Um, and just just uh, correcting myself again. No, he did get nominated for Best Actor for Big. So like, you know, it's the... Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay, um, so it was Oscar, yeah. Yeah, so it was his first sort of, yeah, real recognition for being an actor. While still, so, you know, quite a silly role. Yes. Well, look, we've got our homework. We're going to go mm-hmm. and watch Big. I'm going to give yeah. the audience some homework as well. Yeah. Watch, okay, if you're not going to watch this film, fine. But go on, at least, like, put on the song. Just yeah. go to Spotify, Put in that thing you do, listen to the song. It reminded me a lot of Jersey Boys. Um, so if you're into like the Frankie Valley, the Four Seasons kind of music, it's probably way more, a bit more poppy than some of their, their some of their stuff, but it's also kind of similar. Um, so highly recommend. It would be a great musical, which apparently it is being made into a musical now as we speak. So post-COVID, let's all go and watch that. But um, yeah. def- definitely Google this song. Maybe watch InSync playing it. That was really joyous for me. But maybe just watch the uh, the band themselves. Yeah. The one, the wonders, which we didn't even talk yeah. about their their <laughs> name, <laughs> the Ondenitos, whatever it was called. The Oneeders. Oneeders. Brilliant. Great. We'll catch you next week, folks. Well, remember. The week yeah, you know. <laughs> next time. What What is time in COVID? What you know? is time? That's true. That is true. Thanks for listening, everybody. DVD clutter, out. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might want to do your T. Hanks thing again. Oh, yeah. You, I was letting T. you Hank do it. T. Hank, you for listening. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Do, 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 do. Oh, that was really odd. <laughs> I, think I'd, I think I started singing a different tune to you. Um, 